Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Today I am doing a new series for the next three Fridays. I am in the home stretch to my Oconus move to Hawaii and this week I was on Callie Meredith's podcast called Marriage Yet Again to talk about my O'Connor's move. Um, and recently I've been sharing a little bit more about my military spouse life, being a Navy wife, that kind of stuff. Um, so the next three weeks, the next three episodes on Fridays are going to be in honor of Red Friday, which is remembering everyone deployed. Um, I do have a strong stance that because they are coming back from deployment doesn't mean that we shouldn't still think about Red Friday. And so if for my listeners that don't know, Red Friday is you wear red in remembrance of everyone deployed until they come home. However, I always kind of try to incorporate something red on Fridays in general. It's just my own rule of thumb. Anywho, this week's episode, this week's Red Friday Military Spotlight episode will feature Ashley Stevenson. Ashley is a lawyer and an author, another person I met through uh, being an officer spouse, and I think she's got some really great insight. Uh, so I'm excited to share it with you guys, and I hope you enjoy the episode, and oh my gosh, I'm moving to Hawaii. <laughs> Hey weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, great human. Something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know. Um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Good. I am so excited to have you on here um, because I, I love fellow military voices, people who are creative. So I'm excited. So let's just hop on into it. This is, of course, the podcast. Please don't kick me out. The podcast about imposter syndrome and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Ashley Stevenson. Ashley, would you like to give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, etc.? Let's do it. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Stevenson. I was born and raised in Northeast Ohio, but I was never con content with staying in one place for long. Um, that sense of wanderlust led me to Chicago, Washington, D.C., and eventually to New York City. I'm a legal professional with over a decade of litigation experience and someone who always rises to the next challenge. I'm a member of several professional organizations from the local bar associations, Mindfulness and Law Society, Military Spouse JD Network, a contributing member of the Wellbeing and Law Week, 
and the Alexander Hamilton Awareness Society. Awesome. My, yeah. <laughs> My creative side emerged after I began to understand how important uh, wellness is to each of us. My writings have been featured in the Huffington Post and several legal industry magazines, and my passion for all I do has landed me speaking events at colleges uh, throughout the U.S., as well as societal groups in various cities. I am also a newly published author of Rise Up, Be Resilient Like You're Running Out of Time, which is a straightforward, easy to digest guidebook on developing and strengthening one's own resilience. Um, I was motivated to write Rise Up based on my own career and the current events of the pandemic. Awesome. And, uh, you know, that book is kind of how you and I met. We are both uh, military officer spouses. We're in a group for military officer spouses, which is um, non-branch specific. So you can be Army, Coast Guard, Navy, National Guard, whatever. And you can be in that group and they do a feel good Friday where you can promote once a week what you do. I always promote my podcast and you promoted your book. And then we just kind of became friends from there and we came on each other's radar and I thought it was best to have you on the podcast just based on kind of the approach of your book and how you wrote it, because I like that concept of being resilient because um, oftentimes military spouses are seen as less than or, you know, the, the just kind of other than and, and not really temporary in the workforce, those kinds of things. And so, it, you know, really harnessing your own resilience and, and shouldering your way through hard challenges such as the pandemic or a deployment, or even just being a spouse or even not even being affiliated with the military. Um, it's a good concept. So I'm excited to talk more about it. Absolutely. So let's hop into the first question of, at hand, which is, of course, um, do you feel like you have it all figured out? I most definitely do not have it all figured out. <laughs> um, I like the fake it till you make it approach. Mm -hmm. It's half of the time I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm always confident while I'm doing it. Right. And I feel if you have confidence, even in the most stressful or awkward situations, you can conquer anything. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that mindset because uh, a lot of the time we're in our own way with things. And I think like if we're not constantly learning, then we're not changing, adapting or moving forward. And I think if you can't, no one really, I always say this because everyone says resoundingly no, or I'm working on it. Um, but you know, no one really knows what what's next in life. We, 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 if we did, we would be clairvoyant basically, but right. um but I like that, you know, I like the idea of learning, changing, faking it till you make it approach. That's a really good outlook. Um, I, sometimes it's just really hard to get out of your own way to do so, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I feel that people have to, um, one, be able to adapt to change because quite frankly, life is all about change, regardless of where you are in life. And also, I feel that a lot of people fail to realize that confidence impacts so many different areas of your life. Mm -hmm. um, it can change the way others perceive you and also how you see yourself. Um, it can also impact your interactions with others, obviously daily moods and how you respond to stress. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that it's very simple to train your brain to project confidence until it almost becomes second nature simply by focusing on what you already know, 
Um, you know, obviously when dealing with other people, you know, exhibiting confidence by maintaining eye contact or dressing to impress or, you know, as old saying goes, don't dress for the job that you have, dress for the job that you want. Um, obviously being able to like accept confidence and walking into a room like you definitely belong there. Yeah. Um, and you know, not only does the fake it till you make it approach work, but I feel that it's a necessary part of success. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with the concept, act as if until you become. Mm -hmm. So if you surround yourself with self-motivated and successful, excuse me, successful people, you'll also be more inclined to be self-motivated and successful yourself. Yeah. Yes. What's up? Some, ah, excuse me. Something I've noticed though, is that not everyone is born with that hustle drive and that hustle mentality. And some people just like to be negative by nature and not make those changes and keep bad company and kind of sit there forever. And I think for me personally, in the last year has been a, a chance for me to really trim the fat on my relationships, my friendships, you know, even my marriage, fix things in my marriage. Not that we have problems, but you know, it's been a year to reflect on mental health awareness. What do you want to do next? It's been a great pause for creativity and a great pause. You know, for instance, you wrote a book, I started a podcast. It's been really interesting to see now the type of people that I interact with are a lot more aligned with the things that I like and the things I was striving for. And the people I left behind were the ones that were negative and they were sitting back and they were complaining about everything and my freedoms and blah, blah, blah. So it's been nice to kind of, uh, just like you said, surrounding yourself with successful people allows you to feel more inclined to be successful. Um, I like that. It's kind of like, you know, having people be your own version of a vision board, but where I think people get stuck and lost is when they compare themselves to others and then they just get defeated by it. It's like, we all are, are all showing our highlight reel. We're never showing our bloopers reel. Right. Um, and so, you know, what happens behind closed doors is, you know, different than what you might see on Instagram or what you might see on LinkedIn maybe. So um, I do, but I do like your approach and I think it's really awesome. I have not heard someone say that before, but I like it. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, I feel like it's something that I've had to learn throughout the years. Um, mm -hmm. I, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a small town in Northeast Ohio, and I left right out of high school to move to Chicago, Illinois. And I do not speak to anyone from my hometown other than my father who still resides there because people just become complacent and not motivated mm -hmm. in life. And, you know, it's, for years, it took me a while to be able to accept that and to let some people go and to yeah. move on with yeah. my life because of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Um, but it, it's unfortunate that people kind of get into that mm -hmm. complacent mindset and, you know, they just don't find the inner strength to, um, to do more in yeah, life or to yeah. self-motivate themselves. And I think that was the other part that also, you know, kind of helped motivate me mm -hmm. to write about resilience. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, you know, it's funny because I had my high school reunion a couple of years ago now. I'm a thousand years old. I'm just kidding. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be 32 this year, but I, my high school reunion was a couple of years ago. And I remember talking to people It my, my hometown in Colorado is, is just outside of Boulder. Um, mm -hmm. 
in the foothills. It's, uh, it, well, I lived in Longmont, but I went to Niwot High School. And uh, so our, our reunion was at Avery, which is a brewery in, uh, in Gun Barrel, which is next to Niwot. And my husband went with me because he, he, he's being military, never got a chance to go to his. Plus, they didn't, I don't even think they had one. I, I don't think he would have gone to it either. So he was very excited because for him, it was a high school reunion and he didn't know anyone. So he could be 100% a goofball and no one would care. Right. Um, <laughs> And I would be talking to people and they, you know, you're catching up on each other's lives, right? Like we have Facebook, but some of these people I haven't seen. And some of these people aren't even on the, they're off the grid living in like somewhere in the forest, who knows, but it was like, people were flying in from all over and the people that stayed behind and the people that still lived in the town and the area were quite shocked that I was living 45 minutes away in Denver and that I would, you know, not come home every weekend at college. And what was that like? And how do you oh. live in Denver? Like, that's so scary. And, and it's not even a small town, Longmont. It's not small. Niwot's yeah. not really that small either. And Boulder was just, you know, outside our back door. It, it just was weird to me. And it, that's kind of always got me thinking, like, I don't know. I've always wanted more for myself. I didn't, my, my dad got a job in Longmont and that's why we moved there. I didn't live there because I wanted to, I didn't choose Colorado, you know? So it's like, I've always wanted more for myself. And, and so when I moved to San Diego, like that was even more overwhelming for people I went to high school with. Whoa, I could never, like I could never. And I think some people just really are okay with that complacency. But for myself, I don't, I don't. I'm, I want, I've always wanted more for myself. I've always seen more for myself. And that's kind of always driven me, I guess. So I agree with you. Yeah. So let's talk about imposter syndrome. So I'm just going to ask the question verbatim. Um, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. Um, Recently, I dealt with a instance of imposter syndrome in my client work and own life. Mm -hmm. um, while speaking of a individual, I made the statement that a individual appeared to be of sound mind, which didn't appear to be anything extraordinary to me. Um, after I made that comment, I received a few questions in response to my statement you know, such as, are you a doctor, ma'am? Are you a psychologist? Are you a um, psyche, um, a psychologist? Are you a psychiatric doctor? I answered no to every question. And then I explained how I could conclusively determine whether someone was sound mine. Uh, later that evening, I reflected back on my statement and the response I received. And as I reflected back on it, I felt a sense of feeling not worthy of my standing or feeling as if I didn't have enough experience under my belt to make such a assessment about another individual. Um, also, when I started writing my book, I did a great deal of research and learned that the majority of books on resilience are by doctors and PhDs. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm not a qualified psychotherapist or psychologist. Why would somebody care what I have to say about the subject matter? Mm -hmm. um, then I realized that it was just negative thinking and there would likely be at least one person <laughs> who would want a more practical read mm -hmm. on resilience rather than picking up a book that focuses on resilience theory or the development of, you know, how frameworks of the mind work yeah. and, you know, what sections of the brain yeah. resilient 
and from. Yeah. So I'm going to pause you right there and just uh, kind of dovetail off of what you said. So, you know, when you're, you're talking about writing a book and you're like, oh, is anyone going to read this? I'm not qualified. Am I qualified? This negative, this negative tracks going on your head. Same thing happened to me when I started this podcast. And of course, a podcast about imposter syndrome. Could you possibly have imposter syndrome? Absolutely, you can. I right. thought no one's going to want to know or hear my podcast. No one's going to want to listen to this. I'm going to put it out there. If no one listens, fine. I did it. I can delete it from the internet. No one will know. If I, you know, you know, I, I do nine episodes, they don't pick up traction, then we can just call it a day. And, you know, at first it was like begging people to be on my podcast and my friends, I would be chasing them, like herding cats, trying to get them to, to be on my podcast. And now I'm a little bit overwhelmed, <laughs> but uh, I, I, it didn't go the way I thought it was. I told myself that people would, you know, be rating me one star and they'd be telling me I have a horrible voice and I'm annoying and, um, oh, you're not funny. And, and you know, your guests are boring too. Like I was just so negative on this negative track. And what I realized is when you look at podcasts, similar to you looking around at the books that the book you wanted to write and who had written the previous books, I didn't see my, I didn't see myself in these mental health self-help podcasts because I was not a psychologist nor a doctor. I'm just someone that has been in the corporate world as a woman, as mm -hmm. someone who's felt other than not fit in, been bullied in my life as someone who doesn't fit inside of a box, I felt this way. And I thought I can't be the only one. And so that was my driving force to do it. And I just got oh. out of my own way and pressed yeah. upload. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Have you experienced imposter syndrome like in other ways besides like, you know, whether it's like litigation or um, besides like in your own career, being a military spouse or... Well, you know, it probably won't surprise you that I've always been dimly aware of imposter syndrome and I've witnessed it firsthand in myself and others, um, you know, especially in recent years. Um, also throughout my life, there have definitely been moments where I've been aware of being different than those around me, whether that's because of my age, um, you know, always being like the youngest person and they all just hire Mm -hmm. or my gender, you know, typically in the legal field, it's you're surrounded by older white men um, or even my background. But these, I don't know. I feel like these different types of experiences have kind of contributed to a sense of being inferior um, and have, you know, kind of caused me to develop imposter syndrome um, in some way. Also, while working in the legal industry, it's no secret that the industry is competitive and can be full of very high stress situations. Um, but I've learned that over time, one of the best ways to overcome imposter syndrome is to cultivate a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. And I feel that those with fixed mindsets believe that they have very little control over the outcomes that happen in their lives. And then those with a growth mindset, on the other hand, tend to be more motivated by challenges and believe that things can only get better with experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. I, I don't, I know my listeners don't want to hear me harping about being a woman, but being a woman in the workforce, let alone being a woman in the workforce, when it is a very heavily cisgendered white male situation, it's very uh -huh. hard. 
And um, I, I'll never forget my first job I had, my boss told me that I dressed like a child. And then the, the like, wait, first internship, he told me I dressed like a child. You know how you said earlier, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Well, yeah. you know what? There was not a, there was never a course in college that told you how to dress. And keep in mind, I was working in advertising. Like I'm like, it doesn't, the, the how hats are off. If a client comes in, you should dress nice. Otherwise it really doesn't matter what you're wearing. And um that stuck with me. And then my first boss told me I should be wary of people's perceptions because how I, things I would do would fall back on him. Cause he was actually a terrible boss. Um, but I wore those things like a cloak of shame and I kind of brought them into every different career. And it wasn't until I finally kind of championed myself and I, and I moved to San Diego, actually the move was the huge catalyst, um, where I said, I'm not going to take a job at a company that doesn't see me for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm awesome. And I'm going to champion that. So I think I was almost fully in my own when I was the marketing director of lawyers title San Diego. But when, after I got laid off and I started this podcast and, uh, just kind of, as I've grown and worked on my mental health and taken the time to work on my mental health through therapy, through getting diagnosed with ADHD, through this podcast, which has been like pretty much free therapy for me as well. Um, I've learned that, the more authentically I am doing something or the more I'm being myself, the more that works in my favor. And it actually attracts the opportunities that I want because I'm being myself. Whereas I felt like a lot of my teens, college, high school, middle school, 20s, was just kind of trying to fit myself in a box because I was afraid to show the real me because what if people wouldn't like it? And I found over time, and I don't know if it comes with age because usually I used to be the youngest person in an office and now I'm not anymore, which is weird. <laughs> um, I found over time that just the, it, the, the things that you want that don't want you for some reason or another or don't align with you for some reason or another or another isn't the right fit and the right thing will come along and, Absolutely. you know, kind of take, take ownership and, and you'll feel better about those choices. And that's, Thankfully, I've got an amazing husband who allowed me to, he didn't force me to, he's never forced me to work. I don't think he would, he wouldn't care if I never worked another day in my life, mm -hmm. um, but he just wants me to be happy. And it's been really exciting with him deployed to, to share every time he goes into a court, he will um, download my most recent episodes and listen to them. And Aww. he's just like my biggest fan, but it's nice to finally have people see me the way he sees me, if that makes sense, because he was the first person to truly see me for who I am. Mm -hmm. Cause I was That's just, nice. all my walls were down. <laughs> I know Steffi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sounds super supportive. It, uh, to the point where it's kind of crazy. And sometimes I'm like, tone it down, buddy. Oh, <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, I'm, I know it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. It's nice. And I've seen like, especially in the military spouse community, it can be so weird because people um, have varying grudges against their partners for various things on deployments. And so it's, especially when you add kids into the mix, it can kind of be a little more difficult to keep that spark, but we don't have kids. We have a dog. So, so he, all he wants to do is come home to like me and the dog and maybe a California burrito is what he said. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> We're like a little over two months out, but um, it'll be really good for him to come home finally um, and then he'll have to hear me recording podcasts. So strap in Scott. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so let's talk about success. 
Um, I love this question because everyone defines success differently. And over the last year, I've heard some really cool things from people. Some people quantify it. Some people qualify it. For me, success is happy. So what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? Well, I feel like my definition of success is constantly changing. Um, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be successful, but I don't think I quite knew what that meant until I got out on my own and started living life. Um, at this time in my life, success to me means achieving what you want. Mm -hmm. So success without fulfillment is not success, but rather failure. To be successful to me means to be fulfilled. I believe that success looks and feels different for every person and based on one's own life, success can mean different things at different points in your life. Yeah. Um, also, when determining what success is to you, I feel it's important to realize that success is not a destination, mm -hmm. but a continuously evolving journey. And yes. That doesn't come with a map because it's just not a handful of paths to take. Right. Um, so overall, I would say I do feel successful some days more so than others. I feel successful because I've done everything that I wanted to do so far in life. And this life has turned out to be more than what I could have ever imagined. I've definitely been blessed and although I feel I've been successful, there's still always room for more growth opportunities. And my hope is that I will one day leave something behind to make a difference in this world or at least in the lives of others and, you know, to really leave a mark. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're definitely working towards that. I mean, you know, publishing something, being published, those things will stick around. And uh, I think you're doing beautiful things because you, if I, if I understand this correctly, you, you speak up for those that don't have voices a lot of the time yeah, yeah, and advocate for people like military spouses and um, you know, whatever else you, you've mentioned, you had this beautiful rap sheet at the beginning and I, I only heard the military spouse thing and I'm like, where are you going to go with that? But, you know, I think, <laughs> I think that is how you leave a mark in the world. I hope that, I mean, I don't know where this podcast is going to go, but I hope that I also leave a mark in terms of just people won't have anything negative to say. That's what I hope is what I go. When I go, I hope someone says a funny joke at my funeral at my own expense. I hope I'm, I'm getting roasted, but nicely. Right. And yeah. You know, I think for me, like success is just definitely like just ever changing. And I think conventionally I feel successful. I'm married. I own a house, you know, on paper, I feel successful. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I, my career has and was successful, but now I feel really successful podcasting as a content creator low grade. I'm getting a little bit famous on TikTok. It's weird. Um, but, uh, cause <laughs> I've been very, go. very bored, Ashley. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think, I think it's definitely not a, it's a journey because the, there's no destination. It's just when you yeah. can learn to fully just be happy with what you have and, and realize kind of, okay, like I'm still working on the things I want. And when you're able to do the things you want without any stressors in the way too, I think that is also successful as well. So I definitely agree with you. Awesome. Yeah. So I believe we've really touched on imposter syndrome, but before we move on towards, um, 
before we move towards the um, the next set, which is fanaticals and unpopular opinions, I'd like you to discuss your book and talk about your book, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of where people can get it, uh, what it's about, kind of what you're maybe, and then maybe some advice for my listeners who are feeling imposter syndrome, if you wouldn't mind. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I think that that would be kind of a good transition. Oh yeah, absolutely. So my book again is titled Rise Up, Be Resilient Like You're Running Out of Time, which I was inspired to write during these unprecedented times when everyone's trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the world. And I wanted to put the concept of resilience into words, really emphasizing its importance, but also making it truly accessible to the reader. Um, So the book can easily help someone effectively face stressors and adversity with confidence by providing easy to digest and straightforward information simple, powerful tips, and insight to developing and strengthening one's own resilience. Yeah, love that. Yeah, and the book really provides clear and concise information on the characteristics of resilient people, um, to practices to help guide someone with achieving resilience, and also applying techniques in someone's daily life to help someone deal with life's inevitable challenges and thrive no matter what comes someone's way. That's great. I'm excited. I actually, I'm going to order the book because uh, I just, I have a friend that I think really would benefit from it. I know I would benefit from it. (laughs) And uh, I love that. I mean, like the strength in your voice and like, I don't know, ever since we've met and begun talking because once a mil, I don't know, just military spouses, if we gel, from just like quick conversation, then I know that we're going to be friends. Um, You can really easily tell like who is going to be in your court and who won't be. And uh, I just, I feel like you have, you know, you're talking about projecting confidence and stuff, but obviously you wrote a book on resilience. So you do have that confidence in your voice and just kind of the surety of who you are and the surety of like what you have to offer. And I appreciate that. And I wish more people could be like that. Um, and have that strength. So I'm glad that you've made a roadmap so that they can. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I have really loved getting to know you and connecting with you over the last month or two. Um, It's funny, the day that we actually connected, I was out um, running some errands and I ended up getting my nails done. And we just kept chatting on, you know, Facebook Messenger. And I'm like, I love Bianca. I met her, but I want to keep talking to her. Like she's fascinating. We're on the same page about all of this stuff. I love it. Yeah, the common misconception, um, you know, I there's an there's by the time this releases, there will have been another podcast that had released that um, features Elizabeth, who has this podcast called The American Mill Spouse, and her thing is trying to smash that notion of like we're housewives, we don't do things, we don't have careers, we're not we're temporary, like that. She's trying to smash that you know, societal, how people are viewed. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it's interesting as I meet other spouses from other branches, the, if, especially if they're officer spouses and, um, you know, even some enlisted people, it's not even a divide between me versus them. It's just something I've noticed is, especially with officer spouses who either had a prior enlisted or did ROTC um, to mm-hmm. become an officer, 
we're a lot different than say the academy ones. Um, it's a different lifestyle for them, but we all kind of share this common thread of um, not knowing kind of originally where our place was meant to be in that system and how do we like navigate out of it. And you try to find the sore thumb in the room to be friends with at all times, because there's just days where it sucks and you just want someone to vent to and you, it's nice to vent to someone that like can get it either, you know, from, from afar because they've experienced it at one point or another. So I do like that about the spousal community. And I was so vehemently against joining a bunch of stuff. And then I got laid off and I realized mm -hmm. that I needed the, my community net like more than I ever needed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. with a pandemic on the, with a pandemic and then a pan deployment on the horizon. And so that's why I really like that group. Um, I like that group a lot because it reminds me that everyone is serving in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. and it also, it's nice to just meet other people from around the country, because if you ask a question in there, they always have an answer always. Absolutely. And I yeah. love that. <laughs> I agree. So. Thank you for discussing your book. Thank you for coming on my podcast to talk about imposter syndrome. Let's move on. I love this part because this is really where I feel like my guests flourish. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about things we're fanatical about before I give you the floor. I just have to say Utica Queen from this most recent episode of, or sorry, this most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race. I was kind of sad this week. I bought myself a cameo <laughs> because uh -huh. I love cameo. It's so much fun. It's super cheap and it just brings you like a split second of joy. And um, she left me the most genuine and authentic cameo with her sweet little Minnesota accent. And oh. I sobbed last night. So I'm just, I'm, I've, I've just, it's really been my thing I've been fanatical about right now, but right now drag, drag culture and drag community and just my LGBTQIA plus community as an ally, like that's where my heart's at. That's what I'm fanatical about. That's what I'm passionate about is, um, you know, standing up for equality for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just getting that message last night, like really touched my heart. I also might've had like one or two many truly's, but, um, <laughs> but I was like, this is so sweet. So yeah, I'm fanatical about all things within that community. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, what, uh, what are you currently fanatical about or, you know, go for it. Well, I definitely agree with you being an ally of the LGBTQ community. Um, strong advocate for equality for all. I have to check out Cameo though. I It's so much fun. I have logged on to it um, several months ago. I, I think it was like still up and coming at that point, mm -hmm. um, but I've been hearing more and more about it. So that's something that I gotta take another look at. Um, but I am fanatical about Hamilton. Um, uh, I am a unabashed and unapologetic fan of Hamilton, an American musical. My now husband surprised me with tickets to see the show at Richard Rogers Theater in New York a few years ago. And leading up to the show, the only song I heard was the opening song, Alexander Hamilton. And I wanted to keep it that way. So I would be hearing the songs for the first time upon seeing the show. And up until that point, I knew Alexander Hamilton was the man on the $10 bill, but I knew nothing more of him. So fast forward to the evening of the show, I'm sitting there watching the show and enjoying it, enjoying it, but I'm also slowly falling in love with it without even realizing it <laughs> at the time. Um, it's truly a genius piece of art consisting of a beautiful collection of 
lyrics. Um, and also it's really promoting equality because, you know, it's taking place to um, these political figures in the American Revolution when slavery was still thriving in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And the parts are played primarily by African-Americans and um, Hispanic individuals. And so it's really cool. You see the curtain open and you may see George Washington played by an African-American man. Um, and same for Thomas Jefferson, who we all know was, you know, a huge slave owner. Um, so anyways, going back to the show, um, when the show comes to a conclusion and you realize in those final moments, it becomes clear that Eliza Hamilton, who was the wife of Alexander Hamilton, her work and story were equally as important as her husband's when it came to one's legacy. And, you know, it really showed that someone's legacy may ultimately have to depend on others to share their story when they're gone. Um, also, as a fun fact, my husband and I had a small wedding in Vegas, and I know you guys got married in Vegas too, which I'm sure that's why one of the reasons why we were able to connect. Mm -hmm. um, but we decided, or at least I decided, to send um, some invites to various public figures and celebrities. And so we <laughs> sent an invitation to Lin-Manuel Miranda, and he responded. Um, he respectfully declined the invite, but he wrote us this lovely message congratulating us on our marriage. Um, and truly, I mean, aside from being this creative genius, he's really a class act. And, you know, since then, I've yeah. followed him on social media. I've reached out to him a few additional times on Twitter, and I just for him. Well, you should have gotten a cameo. <laughs> it's the same I, as an I invite. I know. You know, I will say it was a little clunky. Um, and now it's like a streamlined, well-oiled machine. Um, but I use it to like cheer my friends up. My friend and I love 90 day fiance. So my other oh, friend yeah. and I went in on a big ed. I don't like oh. big ed, but he's from San Diego, but we, but she's obsessed with him because she wants to punch him in the face. So she, so we got her one for her <laughs> birthday. And then, um, I am friends with Charlie Hyde's from season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. So mm -hmm. I, if I have something I want, like if any one of my bingo bunch, it's their birthday, which is part of the bingo game I play every Sunday, if it's their birthday or something, I'll just DM Charlie and like, be like, Hey, here's 30 bucks. Like, can you do a cameo for me? Um, but I will say like the one negative, I'll save it for my unpopular opinion, um, because, uh, it's topical, um, but I guess uh, I'll say it now. My unpopular opinion is uh, honestly, uh, so I love Rosé and she is on this most recent season. She's actually a queen from New York. Mm -hmm. I don't know what about it. She, I'm just really sexually attracted to her <laughs> and him. And I know that they would never go for me and I'm also happily married, but like, man, does my heart burn for gay men, especially ones with beautiful eyebrows and features and just, he, she just stunningly gorgeous person inside of out. Um, but uh, my friend wanted to buy me a cameo and mm -hmm. Rose let it sit for a whole week and didn't respond to it. And then it expired. And then she raised her prices. Oh gosh. And so my friend was like, uh, I was going to do it, but now it's $80. And I was like, oh, you didn't even have to buy me one in the first place. Like I would have bought myself one. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really funny 
It's really, really funny. Um, but that my unpopular opinion is like, Hey, like you should probably grandfather in those prices for the people that you left waiting. Like, what are you doing? But I still love you, Rose. You're gorgeous. Um, and I hope that she continues to do well in this week's episode because it's a Friday as we're recording this. But anyway, I also saw that you are a fan of the wizard of Oz, which I love. And at the time of recording this, um, wizard of Oz is actually my favorite book, but at the time of recording this, um, juicy Garland, who is my friend whose drag name is uh, you know, an homage to the lovely Judy Garland. Uh -huh. um, she, her episode had released. So just so my listeners know, sometimes this is as long as it takes to record and then post an episode because I have beautiful conversations, but I like <laughs> to tell people when it was recorded. Um, so I see that you like Wizard of Oz and Wizard of Oz is my mom. My mom earned this book in a spelling bee in the, like the sixties or seventies. And uh, it was my favorite. I have like, it's an original, it's, it's nearly an original copy. Like that's how um, oh the cover gosh. was and stuff. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. And um, I love that book and I read it cover to cover. And as a kid with ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD, reading was hard for me, like really hard for me to like focus unless I really liked the content and Wizard of Oz just really captivated me from start to finish. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, um, same here. I'm a huge fan of Wizard of Oz. Um, the film has grown to become one of the most influential films of all time, and it's one of those movies that regardless of someone's age, anyone can enjoy it, and they can enjoy it together. Um, and it's incredible that the film was just light years ahead of its time, not only with the cinematography, but also with the representation of gender. You know, it was centered around several female leads and it represented women having power, um, which is also incredible given that the book by L. Frank Baum was published in 1900 and the movie was released in 1939. Um, also, Judy Garland was the first actress I saw who had curly hair and big brown eyes like myself. And as a child, I always looked different from those around me and, you know, constantly dealt with comments about keeping my curly hair tamed and my eyes looking sad because of the shape of them. So seeing Garland on the big screen, um, even though it was years prior to me being born, showed me that, you know, curly hair and big eyes aren't signs of being unattractive or even signs of limitations, but rather represent a uniqueness to appearance um, and also an opportunity for new ideas and creations. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You, like, I, I think the more we can see ourselves represented in our childhood, the more like kids will feel more included. Um, yeah. And I love that. And it's, it is a good movie. It did scare me quite a bit when she would like walk through the forest and stuff, but um, yeah, so I do love it. Yeah, the monkeys were terrifying. Like, ooh. yeah, the monkeys still scare me as an adult. <laughs> I was also very afraid of tornadoes. Like, a house would fall on me because I'm I'm yeah. originally originally from Minnesota, and there was a lot of tornadoes when I was a kid. And I'd be like, oh no, like my my. But I wanted those red slippers too. Um, and yeah. seeing those at the Smithsonian was really cool for me because I think they're just stunning in person. Like they are, and they've, they and they've are, stood yeah. up on the test of time and like, I can't even like get stuff to stick like that. Like it's probably the craft behind it. I mean, all of it is just so iconic, so beautiful. So I really, truly love that. Okay. Unpopular opinions. Everyone's got them. I always say, as long as they don't hurt others, it's okay. Um, e.g. racist or homophobic, which I cannot imagine that any of my guests, they're in the wrong podcast. If, right. if that's, in, if that's anyone's opinion and I'm very bad at a judge of character. Um, what is one or a few pop popular opinions you have and why? 
Um, I would say with regards to age, I feel like we need to stop focusing on age um, as a whole. You know, age is a number, but why can't other people realize that? Um, I feel like this is something I've dealt with my whole life. And although, you know, I'm 30 now and it has gotten better, um, I still deal with it. And so I feel like if you ask someone how old they feel, they typically will throw out a number that's younger than their actual age. So when we're thinking about ourselves as individuals, age becomes just a number and feels somewhat meaningless. However, the positive way we tend to see our own age doesn't always translate to how we perceive and oftentimes judge the age of others, which is really frustrating. Yeah. And I think quite possibly what is most alarming is the fact that other people don't acknowledge this is an issue and that itself normalizes focusing on one's age. And that goes for, you know, people making judgments about what can be considered, you know, is young people or what can be considered as older people. Mm-hmm. And it's not always directed at a specific age group. So leaving age out of the equation should be a constant across all boards, because quite frankly, age really is just a number, not a indication of potential performance skill mm-hmm. or really anything else for that matter. Yeah, I agree with you, especially as it comes into the workforce. Like I, it felt uncomfortable being the youngest person. Um, mm-hmm. And because like they would use age as a means to like me not knowing what I was talking about. I mean, probably 21 year old me, 22, 23 year old me probably didn't know what I was talking about. Probably should have been a little less, a little, a little more demure and quiet. Um, Mm -hmm. But because a lot of the times you don't know what you don't know, but I do agree. Age is just a number. And I, I don't like it when, especially in the spouse community, I don't like it when people are like, you know, I, oh, I'm, I'm, and my Peloton community too, because my Peloton community, it's a lot of um, people who are older and so a lot of my groups and especially the main one I ride with, I'm one, in fact, I might be the youngest, well, might not be, but I, I am definitely one of the youngest people in that group. The rest of them are in their 40s, um, 40s, 50s, 60s. And they love to tell me like, oh, well, you're so young. I was in high school when you were born, you know? And it's like, I don't care. I right. still have the Peloton bike. You have the Peloton bike. Like, what does it matter? Um, But I think like for me, I I can have friendships at any age, but I don't like that sometimes, especially, you know, dating was hard too. If you go way too far older, it's hard to relate. If you go way too far young, it's hard to relate. If it's just, it's weird kind of how friendships and relationships work like that. I agree. Age is just a number, but there is a level of maturity sometimes that some people won't have when they need to have it at certain ages. Like some people are permanently Peter Pan. Some people are permanently children. Right. And, um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah. It should be just a number. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, so I'm probably not going to ask the happiness question, although I do love your, love your answer just because I could hear my dog literally opening cabinets um, oh, okay. because I locked them out for my listeners. Uh, Ashley, um, I, I have just picked up my friend's dog Pippa for the weekend. And I thought that they would be like fully having the zoomies throughout my house be burnt out. And instead they decided it was playtime in this office. So I shut them out and I have no idea what destruction I'm about to walk into because uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels do not like to be separated and Shelby, you know, was pregnant. So I, I didn't want her to like pull out his crate her Pippa's crate. 
I was like, no, don't worry about it. I'll just put her in the laundry room when I have to leave and I'll put Bourdain in this crate. But now I'm like, man, it would have been nice to just crate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you could give like a short response of like what's currently making you happy in the world. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in my early 20s, I didn't believe that happiness really existed. I believed that it came in spurts and, you know, was something that didn't really last long. However, as I got older and experienced more life, I came to realize that happiness instead comes from constant, enduring, and reoccurring aspects of your life. And you're ultimately in control of your own happiness through your own beliefs, mental habits, attitude, and focus. Um, so with me currently, I'm happy to be alive, to be employed, um, to be able to afford to have a nice meal, to not take things that can seem so small for granted. Um, and especially during these times when so many other people are struggling and suffering, it's really just about being happy for the small things in life. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's so nice because the last year has really taught me like you can go with a lot less and be happy. Like, yeah. It's so funny because at the beginning of the pandemic, um, right before it occurred, my husband and I had taken a trip to Las Vegas mm -hmm. and we walked through, uh, I forget the name of the, it's the really bougie one with all of the really nice stores. It's not Caesar's palace, but it's like next to Bellagio? Caesar's palace. I don't know if it was Bellagio, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily a hotel. It's just, it's just a bunch of shops and it's next to the cosmopolitan if I'm correct. Oh yeah, that's um, the uh, basically the shops of Caesar's Palace, but kind of yeah, and it's in that weird like shops. shaped like met looking building. Yeah. Yes. Um. So my husband and I were walking through. We would we gone there for share, uh, but share canceled because I'm pretty sure share had COVID. Share, are you doing okay? I hope so. I don't want you to be a hologram when I see you. Uh, <laughs> so we were walking through these shops, and I were looking around and just kind of enjoying our day and meandering on the strip without a care in the world. And we walked into a Louis Vuitton store because I saw a purse that was just, it It captivated me. I've never been captivated by brands or certain things, mm -hmm. but holy cow, this purse, this gorgeous Louis Vuitton bag had rainbow lettering that said Luton and like a really beautiful gold chain. And I was too, in, I was too um, nervous to ask how much it was because I wanted it, but I knew it would be expensive. Yeah. And so we kept kind of walking up and down the strip. We kept going back in that store. I kept going back to look at it. And finally, my husband was like, miss, like, can you let us know how much this purse is? Right. Cause my internet wasn't working. So I was trying to Google it, but I couldn't find it online. And, <laughs> exactly. um, they were like, oh, this one's like 2,200 bucks or something like something like astronomically a lot. And I was like, oh, that's too much money, but I couldn't stop thinking about this bag. Right. <laughs> couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, this is might make you cry or might like make you like love my husband more, but we get back. I'm still thinking about this bag. I'm like, okay, you know what? My next paycheck, I'm just going to like, I'm, I'm the fun money. I'm the money that like goes into the account. I'm just going to buy this bag. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm mm -hmm. just going to buy this bag. Like I, and the reason why I wanted this bag, um, was because I've never allowed myself. I've always cut corners. I've always been frugal and I've never allowed myself to like sit back and enjoy my accomplishments. Right. Mm -hmm. So this bag to me symbolized that I had made it somewhere or something, yeah. which is stupid and statusy. But anyway, my husband, I come home like two days later from getting back from Vegas and sitting on the, sitting on the table is a orange Louis Vuitton bag. 
and I open it and I start sobbing and I'm like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this, you know? And I love her. She's beautiful. I named, I named her DJ John Michael after, uh, (laughs) after my favorite Peloton DJ. Um, but, uh, I've never, I think I've used it once for a job interview and then the world shut down. But what I'm trying to say is we can go with a lot less. This pandemic has taught me that I am very lucky that I have a roof on my, over my head. I have an essential husband who is gainfully employed in a job that is very hard to get let go from, you know, and I have friendships, I have virtual stuff. I have the internet. Like it's, that's, what's making me happy is realizing that like, I can be humble with less and I'm also worthy of something beautiful like that, that pretty shiny thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I'm not using it currently, but one day I'll get to use her and I will be very proud because that to me is a symbol of my career dying and oh. <laughs> the next chapter of my life, which has been so beautiful. So that's kind of like, what's been making me happy. And I'm sorry, that was like a huge tangent, but um, oh, no, I just, I liked, I liked your, I liked your story and I, and I liked like what you had to say there. So yeah. again, I'm just really excited to talk to you and I'm so glad that you came on this podcast, but we're kind of winding down. Um, so again, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. But before I let you, you know, go back into promoting yourself, um, and everything, um, I just wanted to say, thank you. You are such a strong voice in the military community and it's so much appreciated. And, uh, I am glad you do beautiful things and I'm glad that you're creating for other people. And I so, so appreciate you sharing your voice today with me. So before, uh, we leave the podcast, would you like to promote yourself? What do you want to promote? Um, I thank you kind of put me on the spot here. (laughs) So um, I guess just to kind of leave everyone with a positive message in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. working to overcome imposter syndrome. um, You know, I my biggest advice would be um, probably remaining confident in your own abilities, um, obviously recognizing when you need help and, you know, being willing to accept and get help when it's needed. Um, and, you know, just realizing that everyone has a strength inside of them, um, where sometimes you have to dig deeper to find it. Um, but everyone is, strong in their own way. Um, Everyone has the ability to find and exhibit their own resilience. And, you know, through um, remaining confident, seeking help when you need it, and cultivating and exhibiting your own resilience, anyone can overcome imposter syndrome. Um, And my book also discusses a lot of um, information and tips um, to further help with that. So yeah. if you're so inclined, my book might be helpful. <laughs> yeah. And to my listeners, of course, um, so you can connect with Ashley, all of those, including the link to her book where you can purchase it, all of that stuff that will be in the description of the podcast, um, as always. And Ashley, it has been just lovely getting to know you. I hope that you and I can meet one day, um, when, when this panini pizza pan handle, whatever it is, is over. And, yeah. um, we are at some semblance of normalcy, whatever that might mean, but I'm sure as we are special 
spouses, our paths will cross some way, some shape, somehow. Um, but again, thank you so much. Thank you for all of the advice. I hope my listeners really take that to heart and champion their confidence, just like you have, and realize that it's it's you know there's a lot of tools out there. Keep being positive, and of course, to my listeners, this is again. Please don't kick me out. The podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please rate, like, subscribe. You know, rate it five stars on Apple. That would be amazing. And if you want to be a podcast guest, um, reach out to me with your pitch at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com or at please don't kick me out.com. And soon, I'm sure by the time this releases, we will have merch. Please buy my merch. And um, again, follow and go listen and follow all of my guests and go buy the things that they have because they're great. So <laughs> thank you again, Ashley. And I hope you have a killer rest of your weekend. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for anybody who joins and listens in. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Ashley. All right. right, Take care. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday. <laughs>